0: I'm Denise. I'm the Scottish One. And she's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise, the English One. And she's a fiction editor.
1: And together, we're The Editing Podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to this episode of The Editing Podcast. So this week we're chatting about semicolons. And I have to say, this is probably the most misunderstood piece of punctuation in a writer's toolbox.
1: Yeah, and one of the most disliked, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm that looking- arises. I love them too and mm. and that arises in part I think because of the confusion about how to use a semicolon but and I think this might be more so in the case of fiction there's also something about its appearance some people have a real aversion to semicolons they think they look clunky and unattractive no yeah. I'm not really sure that that's a good reason not, not to, to use, use them, them. <laughs> I know
0: I know anyway. well let's start with what it looks like um, the semicolon is that little mark that looks like a comma with a full stop on top And so we'll have a chat about what it does and then talk a little bit more about some of the objections that people have to it.
1: Yeah. So the first standard use of a semicolon is to separate two independent clauses in a sentence that are closely linked. Now, the thing to notice here is that it's usually the case that those two parts of the sentence can stand on their own. That means there's a subject and a predicate.
0: Yeah. So the subject is the person or thing that's doing or being something. So, for example, in the sentence, the fireworks lit up the night sky. The subject is the fireworks because it's those that are doing something.
1: And the predicate is the part of a sentence that includes a verb and tells us something about what the subject's doing or experiencing. So in that same sentence, the fireworks lit up the night sky, the predicate is lit up the night sky because that tells us what the subject's doing.
0: Yeah, so let's get two related independent clauses and think about how to punctuate them. How about, I love tomatoes and red and yellow ones are my favourites. So the semicolon goes after the word tomatoes and you could use a full point, but if you want the punctuation to show that there's a relationship between the two clauses, then the semicolon will do that for you.
1: Now, if you do use a semicolon, the second independent clause doesn't take an initial capital letter. So red would be um, in lowercase. But if you used a full stop to separate those, those clauses, red would take a capital R.
0: Yeah. Now, the difference between using a semicolon and a full stop will be subtle to the reader in some cases. But that's what good writing's about in part. It's using punctuation effectively to show readers mood connections and power relationships.
1: Exactly and that feeds back into our earlier example it's about weighting or more specifically in this case about par- parallelism because neither clause is a consequence or, a, or subordinate to the other that Denise likes tomatoes is equally weighted with her statement about um, which ones are her favourites and I say that in fiction you and I think you'd probably agree with me here um, for creative non-fiction too Denise But a semicolon can really help to quickly bring intimacy to related statements because Mm. it's it's such a it's a much softer piece of punctuation than a full point. It's less jarring, though it's not it's not as soft as a comma, which we need to address.
0: Yeah, I think it's that middle ground where it's it's showing that there's a relationship, like you say, an intimacy or a relationship between these two separate statements. Mm. Um, so. You could use, use a comma to separate those two sentences. I mean, it's something we both see a lot in fiction and non-fiction, And the answer is, it's non-standard to use a comma. And I'm going to avoid saying it's wrong or incorrect because that sounds prescriptive, but a lot of people would consider it incorrect without Mm, question, and we will dedicate an entire episode to this. Um, (laughs) When When we dare. When we dare, yeah. When two independent clauses are separated by a comma, that's called a comma splice, and some people do have a real
1: aversion to Mm. that, but... And comma splices are are generally frowned upon um, in formal or conventionally styled writing. Not always out of snobbery and prescriptiveness, but because they trip readers up. Mm -hmm. Um, I I confess to being a bit of a a, a splice splice avoider. A splice avoider. Yeah, I I do. I think I think there are there are cases where they absolutely work fine, Mm -hmm. but on the whole, I think they 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 trip they you know there's a tendency more for them to trip people up. Yeah. that's a good reason to avoid them because people who don't know what a comma splice is won't be bothered but those who do know are the ones most likely to get grumpy about them anyway um (laughs) let's get back to semicolons we said we were going to deal with this in another episode and then (laughs) before we know it we're rambling on about them yeah So the next use for the semicolon is to separate the items in a list.
0: Yes, and in this case, it's really helpful when you have a more complex list where the items aren't single words, but they're phrases and clauses that already have commas in them. Hmm. So let's imagine you have a list that includes the following. Red Ferraris, comma, all left-hand drive. Blue trucks, comma, most of which were flatbeds. And green tractors, comma, some with flat tires. Now, if you want to separate those with a comma, the whole sentence is going to be really comma heavy and quite difficult to plow through and could lead to misinterpreting some parts of it. So if
1: instead you separate them with semicolons, it becomes much easier to read. And that's important, not just in terms of clarity, but also in terms of pacing. So commas Mm. are, as we said above, quite soft pieces of punctuation that often accelerate the pace of a sentence because we speed over them. Full stops do exactly what they say on the tin. They bring us to a stop. They moderate the pace. And semicolons are kind of a halfway house. They slow us down a little, force us to take stock of the clauses they separate, but they don't jar us to a halt. Mm. And especially in creative writing, you might want to think about Um, that pacing that rhythm and how your little punctuation marks can help you to evoke mood through rhythm and pace
0: i think that's a really good point because i think sometimes people do overlook the power that
1: punctuation has Mm. to affect those sort of changes focusing on the rules rather than um actually how they affect the writing and the reader and the 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 readers actually experience of, of 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 that kind of minds eye on the page yeah
0: definitely yeah now when I wrote about semicolons back in 2016 there's something I didn't mention but we really should hear and that's emojis now these might crop up in fiction I'm thinking perhaps in emails or texts yeah. But I'm seeing them in academic writing too particularly in media and communication studies research
1: yeah so you might need a semicolon and a closing round bracket for a winking face I'm not sure if there are not sure if there are other emojis that use semicolons, but anyway, (laughs) let's move swiftly on to um, objections.
0: Yeah, good idea. So one of the objections to our lovely semicolon is that they're pretentious. Now, I don't quite get this. I don't think there's anything pretentious about writing that has clarity. What I do think is that too many of them in too close proximity can jar in a way that's not the case with the comma.
1: Yeah I think you've nailed it um it's the same with colons I I, I think it's I suspect it's because um both those pieces of punctuations have a top and a bottom they're kind of more in your face more invasive to the eye and Mm -hmm. but on on the pretentious thing I've seen plenty of great writers some of them really gritty crime fiction writers and using semicolons to indicate parallelism really effectively
0: yeah yeah now, in some of the editing forums, I've seen some objections to these being used in dialogue. What's your
1: take on that, Louise? Yeah, so the reason given by most objectors is that the reader can't hear the punctuation. I don't quite get this. Dialogue in a novel is just that. It's, written, it's a written um, version of the spoken word. You can't hear an apostrophe or an initial capital letter either, but that doesn't mm. mean that an author would exclude them from dialogue think that if a semicolon helps to bring clarity and indicate relationship in dialogue then there's no reason why it can't be used there what I will say is that there is absolutely no grammatical justification for excluding semicolons in dialogue none at all
0: right so like most things it's, it's a style choice yeah, yeah if you want to use a semicolon and know how to use it go ahead there's no rule the most important thing is to understand the power of it after that it's up to you
1: yeah and some of my authors tell me they don't want me editing them in on any account and -hmm. that's fine so if 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 i think the prose will benefit from an indication of parallelism uh, i might try a spaced n dash or a close-up m dash depending on what style of book the book's written in
0: yeah same here and i think that's the beauty of punctuation there are options and can cater for all preferences really yeah So that's it for semicolons. Now it's time for Editing Bytes. This is the regular bit of the show where we each recommend a favourite resource that we think you'll find useful. So this week, what else could I choose but (laughs) a little book of mine that I've read recently and it's called Semicolon, How a Misunderstood Punctuation Mark Can Improve Your Writing, Enrich Your Reading and Even Change Your Life. That's quite a claim, <sighs> <mean>, isn't it?
1: <laughs> that, that's a really big claim. I, yeah. I don't think as one...
0: Well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe... Well, you maybe, need to do maybe. the book
1: to find out. I do. It's,
0: it's by Cecilia Watson. It's a slim little volume. Uh, it's got a beautiful cover. And I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. And um, some people actually said to me, because I tweeted out when I got, got my copy, because I thought it was such a beautiful book and I was very huh. excited to read it. And I actually genuinely had some people saying, is that a whole book on the semicolon? How can you uh. write a book on a single punctuation mark? Well, there's a lot to say about it. You know, there has been, you know, as we've discovered in talking, there's, you know, been a lot of controversy over where, where and when it should be used. But the history of it, she goes into the history of it, and it's really interesting. So if you're a bit of a punctuation nerd, like. Like many editors are, <laughs> have a wee look at this wee book. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm. I i have not got it yet, but I will get it because, um, because I love semicolons <laughs> and, um, I would like to. I'd quite be interested in the history of it. Yeah. Anyway, um, my editing bite is the National Centre for Writing's podcast, which you'll find if you search for NCW podcast. There are some amazing learning resources on there. Um, just a a, a taster. Um, tackling representation in fiction, writing crime fiction protagonists. Finding time to write if you're a new parent, Mm -hmm. finding writing inspiration from tragedy, and Margaret Atwood's top five writing tips. So that's well worth digging into.
0: That sounds really great, yeah. Excellent. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the editing podcast. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever platform you prefer.
1: And we've put all the links we've mentioned in the show notes so you can grab everything there.
0: Bye bye. Bye.